Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast from BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence. Each month, we will be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started. Welcome to another podcast for BDO Talks ERISA. I'm Beth Garner, National Practice Leader for our Employee Benefit Plan Group and a partner here at BDO. We're excited to have you join us today. My co-host, Joanne Zupka, is here today with me. You know, we normally have a guest. However, today we're going to recap a conference that several of our team members attended a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was actually there. And um, annually, EBP audit professionals and plan sponsors attend the AICPA CIMA Employee Benefit Plans Conference. And this year it was in Nash, Vegas, um, otherwise known as Nashville. Um, it was held at the Gaylord, which I swear I always get lost there. And I've been to that hotel at least five times. It's nuts. <laughs> the key is to follow the change of the carpet. But I have to say, it's nice to be back in person and see so many familiar faces at the conference. Uh, the conference is just a wonderful opportunity to interact and hear directly from the regulatory agencies that so many people um, want to hear directly from. Definitely. And then there's, you know, record keepers that are there and, and such. And so um, everybody just kind of gets together and talks about what's going on in the world, hot topics and different topics throughout the conference. And so, you know, as you can imagine, there were lots of different topics at this uh, robust conference. To name a few of the topics, SAS 136, the new auditing standard, compliance and operational errors of plans, risk assessment, during audit, all those are really geared towards CPAs who audit plans. You know, we, of course, want to help plan sponsors. So therefore, we decided we would highlight you know, two topics that we think were considered what we call hot topics for plan sponsors right now. Yeah. So let's outline our two topics, then we can dive into the details. Um, one topic that we think is relevant, which is absolutely a major topic in all areas of business, is ESG. You are absolutely, definitely correct. It's a hot topic. We're going to dive into that. But our second topic is going to be cybersecurity. And, you know, we've covered this topic before on our podcast, and it comes to the top of the list for plan sponsors with additional guidance coming out from the DOL this past year. And, um, so we just thought that these two were very relevant topics for plan sponsors. All right, so let's get started. ESG, it's an acronym referring to three aspects of a strategy that goes beyond maximizing current profits or gains. E is for environmental, sustainable investing. S is for social, socially responsible investing. And G is for governance, which is the mission relating to investments. Thanks for that definition, Joe. Let's drill down a bit on the ESG, like Joe said, E is for environmentally sustainable investing. So the environmental concerns are the use of renewable energy sources, um, waste management programs, pollution issues from company operations, deforestation issues, raw material sourcing, biodiversity, and you know just the overall 
attitude of what the company's um, attitude and actions around climate change. So then the S is socially responsible investing. So under that investing is employee relations, such as fair pay and benefits, work-life balance, diversity and inclusion, human rights issues, and even goes down to charitable support and donations and such. And then last, we have the G. That is governance concerns, meaning how well does management and the board attend to the interest of the stakeholders as far as financial and accounting transparency, even diversity of the board members, executive compensation, community engagement and policies, you know, to tie management to that long-term corporate success. Wow, Beth, I am so glad that we outlined the meaning of ESG because you hear it and you go, oh, it's just environmental, social, and governance. But when you actually drill down and hear the details, you realize how all-encompassing it is. It truly is. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. So why don't we touch on what the DOL, the DOL's proposed ruling on the readdressing of ESG, right? That's just a mouthful. We've had a lot of things go on the current administration, the previous administration with ESG. So bear with me for a second, right? Back in October of 2021, actually on the 13th, right before the October 15th deadline, a new proposed regulation was released shifting the DOL's position on ESG. Fiduciaries may consider any factor in the evaluation of an investment or course of action that is material to the risk return analysis, including ESG. Next, a prudent process may require an evaluation of economic effects of climate change and other ESG factors. In other words, ESG must be considered if material. Also, the plan's qualified default investment may use ESG factors so as long as they do not subordinate the interests to other objectives. The previous rule under ERISA Section 404A was not exactly friendly to ESG investing. So, in fact, now we're going to March of 2021, the DOL announced that it would not enforce the final rule because the changes had already had a chilling effect on the use of ESG considerations in investment decisions. So, I mean, as you can see, ESG investing rules are shifting right before our eyes. Um, two major shifts just last year in 2021, and we'll see what 2022 is going to bring. Yeah, I mean, essentially, just like we said, you know, Joe just said, there's two different rules in, in 2021. So interestingly enough, the Department of Labor published an RFI, which requests for information, in February 2022, and it actually had a 90-day comment period from the public and stakeholders and that closed May 16th. The RFI was soliciting public input on climate-related financial risk related to retirement plans. So essentially what the DOL is wanting to find out during this RFI is you know, what actions, if any, the Department of Labor should take to protect retirement savings and pensions from risk associated with changes in climate. And like you just said, we think of changes in climate, but we've already said what all ESG encompasses. So it's it's a little bit more broad than just, you know, essentially climate. But I'm just going to read out some of the sample questions. What are the most significant climate-related financial risks to retirement savings and why? 
Should EBSA use Form 5500 to collect data on climate-related financial risk to pension plans? Some private sector sources are developing structured ESG research data for evaluating corporate performance. Uh, what are the best sources of information for plan fiduciaries to utilize in evaluating such risks with respect to plan investments? Are there difficulties or challenges in obtaining such information or comparing information from different sources? Which I'm going to say yes there. And I think that we'll, we're also going to outline a rule that's trying to help kind of lessen how those, those challenges. Um, do, do any guaranteed lifetime income products help individuals efficiently mitigate the effects of at least some climate-related financial risk? If so, what mitigation measures do these products take? Um, is there a need to educate participants, especially those responsible for making their own investment decisions in participant-directed individual account plans about climate-related financial risk? And essentially, say, if yes, what role, if any, should, should EBSA play in sponsoring and providing such education? So you can tell the Department of Labor and EBSA um, are being nice in the sandbox and, and coming out to ask us um, stakeholders what we think about ESG and, and their role in it and what we should do. Yeah, you know, Beth, they really have, I like the questions and I know that that was just a sample of what was in yeah, that request for, yeah. what was in the RFI. Um, but you could tell that they're looking at it from different perspectives, right? What does those charts of governance or a plan sponsor need to look at? What do we need to do from the participants? I mean, listen, as they're evaluating all of the public comments that they've received, I would imagine the last one that you just read about the need to educate participants, that's probably going to be 100% yes. Yeah, how huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so as you said, there is a, a rule out there, right? But it's an SEC rule, and that came out in March of 2020. It's requiring registrants to include certain climate-related disclosures. This rule should provide the first consistent measure of ESG factors, governance of climate-related risk, material impact on business and financial statements in the short, medium, and long term, how risks have or are likely to affect strategy, business model, and outlook, impact of climate-related events on the financial statements, estimates, and assumptions. And then lastly... Um, any disclosures relating to greenhouse gas emissions. So as we said, ESG is touching all businesses. And with many topics, we first see guidance coming from the SEC. So it's not surprising that the DOL um, is requesting information. I don't know. I mean, we've, we've talked about rules from a retirement plan perspective and then this SEC rule. And so we are seeing it across the spectrum on uh, business and impact and, you know, even CPA firms are, are getting in the mix of ESG and what are we doing appropriately as well. And so, like we said, it is touching all kinds of business and, and companies. So let's take a step back. If you're a plan sponsor and you're listening, your head might be spinning a little bit. And so let's just kind of boil it down. What should you do for your plan? So here are some things to think about. You know, obviously you have investment goals. You need to determine your ESG goals for your investments. 
you know, consider ESG funds if they do align with your plan's goals. Uh, review potential candidates against your investment policy guidelines to ensure compliance with your fiduciary responsibilities. You know, and make sure to create the appropriate participant communication. If you don't have information in your goals and your investment policy guidelines, now that that final rule has been adjusted and you know that ESG is not going to make you fail an investment rule, you know, you really could look at your guidelines and make sure that it's included and then really take part in getting some investments within your plan that have some of these um, characteristics. I do look forward to the public's response from that RFI to see what people are, are saying from a participant um, standpoint and plan sponsor. So we did kind of give you a number two topic. So we're going to shift our focus over to the never-ending topic of cybersecurity. Before we dive into cybersecurity, I agree 100% with you, Beth. I'm curious to see what the response is going to be, what the outcome is going to be, how it's going to maybe shift some rules and regulations. Um, as you were saying, you know, this is the time now, look at your investment policy statement, have some communications or have some conversations with your service providers, um, the individuals that you use for investment benchmarking. What I'm actually interested in seeing is where ESG ends up. Is it going to just be an investment in a plan or is it going to potentially be an option that's allowed in self-directed brokerage accounts? Because we do see those types of accounts in 401k plans. Right, which participants could pull before the plan decided to do something because, yes. you know, it could be within a, you know, a mutual fund or just a share of stock. So they could get their way around it without the plan as a whole changing things. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. All right. So cybersecurity. Um, it was a topic at the conference, but before we go into that, um, I think it's everyone should just kind of remember that the DOL did release guidance on cybersecurity last April. This was the first time the EBSA, and we've said that a few times, and that's the Employee Benefits <laughs> Security Administration, um, issued any guidance on cybersecurity. The guidance was directed at plan sponsors and fiduciaries regulated by ERISA and also plan participants and beneficiaries. Um, at the top of this release in bold letters is a sentence, guidance seeks to help protect an estimated $9.3 trillion in assets. Ooh, not a small amount, I'd say. Not you at know, all. The start of the session on, on cybersecurity, you know, the presenter outlined some global trends, threats, and, and vulnerability stats. And you might kind of glaze over when people start talking about stats. But I would like for us to realize that it's mind-boggling, and this could happen to you easily as a as a plan sponsor, but as a plan participant. Um, not that I'm knocking any record keepers or or anything like that. It's just where we are as a society. So let me talk about some of these stats. Um, Seventy percent of ransomware attacks include data exfiltration. So what the heck does that mean? Basically using usernames and passwords and getting that off the dark web. Um, there's three most common compromise points from ransomware. 
and that's phishing, um, unpatched exploitable vulnerabilities, and remote desktop protocol. This is a this is a crazy one to me. Global records stolen, 19 billion records stolen in the first half of 2021. And then going back to 2020, had 27 billion records stolen, and that's just in the top 10 breaches alone. So if these were that many, and, and those are the years that we're reporting because there wasn't existing stats necessarily on 2022, that's crazy. And I know that we do things um, at VDO to, to make sure that we as people are fully trained, but we've got to be diligent about cybersecurity in all aspects of our of our lives, whether that's you know personal and and business. Oh, it the stats are crazy, right? I mean, large numbers in the billions. It's not going away. Like we said, this mm-hmm. is an, this is an everyday topic, and I think what we can say is, you know, there's there's bad actors, apples all over the place. Um, and so again, what can a plan sponsor do to increase their plan security? Five suggestions were provided during the conference, and obviously there's probably more, but this was just a small list that they had provided. Um, first, did you know, provide accurate, up-to-date contact information for your participants, set up secure file transfers, and force email encryption with your service providers and other third parties with whom you exchange sensitive data and emails with, and sensitive data could mean payroll information. Security awareness training is obviously essential. Probably inform all of your plan sponsor providers that includes your auditors if there's any breaches or fraud detected. Use e-delivery for all participant communications. You know, plan sponsors should also be reviewing the cybersecurity guidance related to the protection of their plan assets. Are they properly doing what the guidance states? And that was the guidance that, you know, we talked about that was released in April um, 2021. You know, the presenter here outlined some steps to better the security for the actual participants. You know, all of the the participants should register their accounts online at their record keeper's website. Um, The participant needs to provide all available email addresses and phone numbers for security alerts. And this is huge. Make sure the record keeper uses multi-factor authentication. Becoming very common. Oh, heck yeah. I, I can't imagine us not um, having uh, that within our plan for, for a participant. And then participants should pay attention to the security alerts. Um, participants, and I thought this was a good one, and I don't know if I would have thought about it from a plan standpoint, but you know, participants should consider freezing their credit with the three major credit bureaus and only unfreeze when you want additional credit. And then um, over the years, the Department of Labor has come out with different rules to make participants kind of wake up to what's going on in their retirement uh, accounts. And that's, you know, expense ratios and notifications and um, just hoping that participants will dial in at the end of the day to what's going on in their account instead of just setting it and letting it go. Um, But Participants really don't need to stick their head in the sand um, and not pay attention to their accounts. And especially notifications being sent to their email, they need to make sure that you know, change of address or email or anything like that, that it doesn't get overlooked. 
and they make sure that if anything <clears throat> happens, that they're well aware of what's going on in their account. I mean, everyone knows. I mean, how could you not know that there are risks to the plan? Everything is outsourced these days. Plan sponsors really need to take a hard look at the service providers and their coverage of cyber. Um, the first bullet point in the cybersecurity guidance points to tips for hiring a service provider. You know, the fiduciary should prudently select a service provider with strong cybersecurity practices and monitor their activities as ERISA requires. We're going to start to see some different updated information coming from these record keepers, trustees, and custodians this year. And I would say if cybersecurity is not an agenda item on your committee meetings, it really should be. If you didn't have the time last year to talk about it, make it a priority this year. I agree. You know, there's a there's a considerable amount of training for participants and plan sponsors, you know, that would help companies with their cybersecurity risk. I mean, I know as BDO, we we have long trainings on um, cybersecurity every year. And, you know, I would think most companies are already doing the training just like us, but we, I would think that HR, you know, should seriously consider adding, you know, some type of plan related information to help from a fiduciary standpoint, because if you are asked what type of training, what kind of, you know, thing that you do, obviously you could point, point to that and feel like, you've got where you need, you can point and say, hey, we, we did something from a plan standpoint. So we're knocking up against the, the end of our time today. We do want to uh, thank everybody for who takes the time to listen in. We know that time is valuable. Everybody is so busy and talked about great resignation and all of us are doing more with less. But, but I would also like to remind you, you can contact the podcast at BDO Talks Arissa at BDO.com. I'm going to say that again, uh, BDO Talks Arissa at BDO.com. We would love to hear from any of you about any topics you would like covered, or even if you have a quick question about your plan and you need some advice, just um, reach out. Also, a plug regarding our BDO Arissa Center of Excellence on BDO.com. Our center touches on all topics retirement and HR related uh, topics that we think that are valid. And we just want to keep plan sponsors and HR professionals up to date. Thank you for listening to BDO Talks Arissa. Past episodes are available at bdo.com slash BDO Talks Arissa. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review, and subscribe. You can also send us feedback, questions, or ideas you have for future topics at bdotalksarissa at bdo.com. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit bdo.com slash ERISA.